0: Welcome back to grab and go. Rob and I are continuing our conversation on all things spiritual gifts. Let's jump back into it now. What do we believe about the miraculous gifts still today? And so I wanna I want to set up a scenario for you. This is from a, a blog post that I wrote in seminary, okay? And it's entitled, I Don't Want You to Be Ignorant, which is a quote from Paul. So, so you arrive from for another Sunday in the Lord's house. You find your seat, patiently expecting the Lord to meet his people today. You look over and you see familiar faces, friendly as always. The service starts, song one, song two, song three. Everyone begins to feel the energy amp up to new levels. The band plays the bridge again, sensing that the spirit is moving. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, the belting of Sister Lauren begins to reverberate around the sanctuary, except what she's saying cannot be understood by the congregation. Time itself seems to stand still. The music fades, and a second voice begins to cry in exuberance, joy, desperation, You can't quite tell, but as far as you know, it's the sure sign of the Spirit moving. Or is it? That depends on what you believe about the Holy Spirit's gifting in the church today. We see the New Testament filled with signs and wonders, and are we missing out on something that is meant for us? Are we suppressing this Holy Spirit's work through unbelief? Or is that really not how he gifts anymore? So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, that concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So have we been ignorant? That's the question we're going to kind of pose today. So um, as we kind of jump into this, what are your initial thoughts, Rob?
1: One, I I really love that blog, that blog entry that you wrote, um, because it's so relatable. I mean, I I think that um, there's, you know, FOMO is is so palpable in this like yeah I, I don't want to be missing out on, on anything and so that's why I have my notifications turned up. that's why um, I have a, a connective communication piece like my phone is is feet away from me at all times I carry because I don't want to miss out on things and mm-hmm. and I think any any Christian that's walked with the Lord for some time um I think that there is a natural, draw to try to access more and more of the things of God. And if that is, um, I think that's a very healthy pursuit, by the way. And I, I think yes. going back to previous episodes, I think a fuller understanding and usefulness of your spiritual giftedness, that is a very right um, uh, motivation. That's a, That's a very healthy drive for a Christian. To look for ways in which they can serve the Lord through the local assembly um, mm-hmm. by, by administration of their gifts, etc. Um, but as, as far as uh, my my initial response um, to to the prompt is, gosh, do I have scripture on this? And 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 yes, Paul in in the same same vein, same same expression, same parchment. Um, when he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, he also says this in First Corinthians 14, and this is verses 27 and 28 in the ESV, it says, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church, and speak to himself and to God. So, what does that mean to me practically? Because again, I know that Paul Paul writes in a very specific way and requires some careful uh, attention. But it, it says to me that if there's someone speaking in tongues, and I think her name was Sister Lauren, uh, and, and maybe there's someone else in, in the congregation that morning. Um, if someone's speaking in tongues, I believe that God would also provide an interpretation uh, or someone able to interpret that within that setting. Because again, um, God is not the author of confusion. And if I were in a worship service and someone began to preach to me in a language that I did not understand, and that could be as simple as Spanish. Like I can pick up 10 or 15% of what's being said, but that that's not a language that I'd be very comfortable in. And that's to my, my shame. I, I think that there is There's real reasons for Christians to develop more cross-cultural fluency, but I would suggest that if someone were speaking, teaching, ministering in any capacity in a language that I did not understand, um, I wouldn't be edified by that. I I don't believe that, that God would use that mechanism to minister to me. And again, I'm trying to get away from this individualistic Christianity where God's got me hooked up with some great blessing. But again, going back to this notion about tongues with with or without interpretation, um, I personally not had a ton of experience with folks uh, speaking in tongues in a worship setting or in a small group prayer setting. Um, I have been around it some and and i and i'll confess that um i have not spoken in tongues um in 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 my christian walk and but i have close friends that i i i know well and i respect their walk with the lord they take their walk in the relationship with the lord very very seriously and that they have actually spoken in tongues mm-hmm. um and in, in my hearing and um it 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 has an otherness quality to it and there's it's mysterious to me in in a way and the fact that it was mysterious and I said well I asked one of my friends about this um right after he he had a an utterance and I said well what was that and he said well that was my prayer language okay um and so was that for for me to hear or or what? And he said, well, it it was a word from God for you. And that, that didn't sit comfortably with me because again, God, God can speak to me. I can speak with God. God's revealed himself in his word. So, um, that to me was, um, a bit unsettling to be completely transparent. Um, so in that prompt and in your kind of your lead in, um, that's where I kind of, Head out. I, I think that at times, folks that have um, that giftedness or would would function as if they had that giftedness. I, I think at times, um, I, I, it always comes back to motivation. So, in in earlier episodes, we talked about what what's the appropriate administration. What is the purpose of gifts amongst the body? And it's to promote unity it's to build up the church it's to accomplish the work of It's to be responsive to god's leading etc cetera, etc cetera. but very rarely is it to single out an individual believer in a group of believers uh, as superior or as having this rarefied ministry giftedness uh, speaking in tongues yeah that um <clears throat> that i i think one would naturally be curious about and potentially some would be envious of and mm-hmm. so i think it can it it might be useful in some contexts i might i'm personally not aware of those contexts as intimately as i maybe should be but i think there there is such a thing as um abusiveness as far as i'm using a gift inappropriately to draw attention yes. to myself and and I think that's a, that's a potentially an exceptionally easy way to be divisive within a body of Christ. Yes.
0: And, and that can, that can be the case with, with really any gift with a, with You're a speaking right. gift, you can make it about you, whether that's through all about stories or anything like that through serving, you can do that by being almost too flamboyant or to say, woe is me. I, you know, I'm not gifted enough. Like you can always make it about yourself and anything by in your generosity you can you know not necessarily that it's it's bad to put your name on everything but like if the only reason you're ever giving is to put your name on something yeah okay maybe we're maybe we got an issue there thank you for joining grab and go we hope you enjoyed our conversation on all things spiritual gifts Join us in the next episode as Rob and I continue this conversation
1: and dive into it a little bit further.